Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Galaxy CD's Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast, episode number six. My name is Ryan and I will be your host. And man, have you ever just had one of those weeks where you felt like nothing was really going right? Nothing, nothing seemed to be working quite like you wanted it to and things just didn't feel like they were moving in the right direction. And then... You got to the end of the week and you looked back and man, you really actually had a pretty good week. Uh, That's, that was my week this week. Um, I felt a little bit like uh, Lewis Hamilton in the uh, British Grand Prix. If any of you watch F1 last weekend, uh, they were racing at Silverstone in England and over the course of the last couple laps of the race, um, I believe four drivers suffered flat tires, blowouts. Um, most of whom suffered greatly for it in the final results. But Lewis Hamilton actually went on to win the race. He was he had about two-thirds of a lap to go when his tire went, and he had a big enough lead that he managed to nurse the thing home and win the race. That was kind of my week, except my blowout kind of started at the beginning of the week. So as uh, in addition to being a full-time reseller i have a little side gig i do dealer trade drives for the volkswagen dealership that i used to work for and if you're not familiar with that essentially what happens is they sell a car to a customer but they don't actually have that car don't have the right color or the right trim or whatever it is and they find one at another dealership somewhere else and they call that store and they say hey we'll we'll send you one of ours for one of yours and they do a dealer trade well they need somebody to drive the car they're trading to wherever it is to pick up the other car and bring it back. So that's a little side gig I do. It's maybe once or twice a month they give me a call and I I do a drive. And generally speaking, they're within a couple hours of my home. So it's pretty straightforward. I hop in the car, cost me half a day. I'm able to get home and still in the afternoon, get some shipments put together, get some listings done, do some work. So it's a nice, it's a nice break. Gets me out of the house for a little bit. I like to drive. I can listen to some music, listen to a podcast. So it's a win-win. I make a little extra money on the side. Normally it's all good. Every once in a while, I get a big drive in, I don't know if it's January or February, um, kind of before all the COVID stuff started going down. I drove to St. Louis to pick up a car. That was kind of an all-day adventure. This week, they asked me to drive to Elgin, Illinois, which is on the west side of kind of the Chicago area. And I look it up on the GPS, and it says it's about five and a half hours from dealership to dealership. So I'm thinking with stops and food and whatnot, I'm probably looking at something on the order of 12 hours, give or take. So I agree to do the do the gig. I'm like, ah, okay, it's going to take my whole day, but that's fine. 12 hours, I can, I can live with that. So I get to Gary, Indiana, which for all intents and purposes is essentially a suburb of Chicago. And the GPS says I'm about 62 miles from my destination. So I'm thinking, ah, oh, that's, that's about right. I got maybe two and a half hours to get out there, pick up the car, get back to here. And then I've got pretty clear sailing to get home. And that, 120, 130 mile round trip from Gary, Indiana to Elgin, Illinois, and back to Gary, Indiana took almost six hours. (laughs) Uh, 
it seems like, um, much like my current hometown of Hamilton, they've decided to repair all of the roads in Chicago simultaneously. If you live in the Chicagoland area, uh, feel free to let me know what is going on up there. But man, everywhere I went was under construction. Traffic, it was one o'clock in the afternoon when I passed through Gary and kind of started getting into the, the thick of things. And holy Toledo, the traffic was like being in Cincinnati at rush hour. It was bumper to bumper, 10 miles an hour, which actually worked out to my benefit. I was on a ramp going from one highway to another, and we're not going very fast, maybe maybe 10 miles an hour. And the car in front of me starts to like suddenly pull off to the side, and we're in the middle of a construction zone. The, the exit ramp is literally, there's a concrete barrier on one side that's right up against your door, and there's a little bit of a shoulder, probably not really much more than a car width. And he starts to pull off, and I'm like, man, this is a terrible place to be doing that. And I look off to the side, and his driver's side right wheel has completely detached itself <laughs> from the car. It's leaning off to the side, and the whole car has kind of done this deal. Uh, and he's grinding it off to the side of the road. So thankfully, I guess, we were in kind of stop-and-go traffic and not going very fast because that would not have ended well for either one of us. Um, I'm pretty sure I would not have been able to get stopped. So that was kind of my my blowout. What should have been a 12-hour day turned into about 15 and a half hours. I'd already written the day off pretty much for reselling, but I was not expecting to spend that kind of time in a car. So I was pretty gassed by the end of it. Additionally, Sunday and Monday while I was on the road were probably two of the worst eBay sales days I've had in months. Um, I've, I have I jinxed myself. I've been saying for weeks now that I haven't experienced any kind of a slowdown, and Sunday and Monday were just terrible. Sunday in particular was far and away the worst Sunday I've had in months. So I'm not, I wasn't doing much business. I was stuck on the road driving. So I wasn't able to list anything to try to generate any activity or get some new good stuff up. And I just felt, man, I woke up Tuesday morning. I'm like, man, this week is already, that was the Mondayest Monday ever. And now what? So as I've mentioned in previous podcasts and um, videos, attitude is everything. And I I kind of said, okay, I just got to, I got to get my head right and I got to grind this thing out and get busy. And that's what I did. And I look back and with that, we're just going to kind of jump in to the weekly recap. Um, I got to the end of the week and I still, you know, I felt like, okay, I I feel like I've accomplished some stuff and I've probably done okay, but the sales definitely are not going to be there. Um, And I pulled up my numbers and lo and behold, they were actually pretty solid. So we'll start with some stuff I haven't talked about in the past in the weekly recap, uh, but I decided that it might be important to go over, at least for my own satisfaction, to just kind of look at um, kind of what I sourced for the week and what I listed for the week, which are things I've not really covered in the in the recaps previously. I've all, all I've talked about essentially has been the sales. So I wanted to kind of go over that um, as kind of a new add-on to this weekly recap. So we're going to start there. For the week, I only did one really sourcing outing, and I hat tip to my friend Brian, who tipped me off on a Facebook ad on this. A guy was, there was a death in the family, and 
I don't know if that person or that person in conjunction with other family members, but they had a small used bookstore and they had some books they were trying to get rid of. They were just essentially the ad was that they were giving them away. I didn't really feel right given that circumstance, just taking them for free. But I reached out to this dude and I said, how many books do you think you have? And he gave me a number and I gave him a price. I told him I'd take everything he's got sight unseen and give him a hundred bucks. And he was, you know, he was essentially just trying to find somebody to haul him away. So he was thrilled with that. And I was thrilled to get what potentially might be a pretty decent score. In the end, uh, it ended up being 729 books for a hundred bucks. So they cost me about 13.7 cents a piece. So that's a really nice score from the financial standpoint. As with most lots of books, it was probably 50-50. Half of them, I'm already plotting my next overstock sale slash yard sale. Uh, There's some stuff in there that probably is not going to be worth listing, but I think there's some pretty good stuff um, to be found in there. I'll more than recoup my money uh, pretty quickly on the lot. So I was pretty pleased with that. So again, Brian, thank you. Uh, I know the only reason you tipped me off was because you were at work and you couldn't go get them. So I really appreciate that. Um, if we're ever allowed to be out and have a beer, I'll buy you a beer. Fair enough. (laughs) Um, so that was really the only thing I did in terms of sourcing this week. I didn't do any garage sales or estate sales. I had some family things to attend to, uh, over the weekend, uh, trying to catch up on some celebrations. We've tried to avoid, getting everyone together um, because of the potential for COVID and it's been months and we just decided we needed to, to try to do something. So we spent a few hours together um, outside and appropriately socially distanced um, to celebrate missed birthdays and father's day and all that kind of stuff. So it was nice to, to get a day out and, and not really have to do any work. So I had that going on um, for listings for the week, despite essentially losing all of Monday, uh, I still managed to do 210 listings this week, which was really, really good. Um, Last week, I think I did 220. So I was right on pace, essentially, for what I did the week previously, and I lost a whole day. So I was very pleased with that. I also noticed, and I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if it was in a podcast or one of my YouTube videos, but I mentioned that I hadn't listed any CDs for a while and I bought that big lot and I started listing CDs and all of a sudden my CD sales started to go up, but it wasn't necessarily CDs that I was listing. It was old merchandise stuff I've had in my store for a long, long time. And for the last three weeks, pretty much all I've listed has been CDs from that lot. Last week, I bought a big lot of books with 170 odd books all kind of like early 1900s through about 1945 hardbacks, um, some leather bound, most of them with dust jackets, really, really nice condition stuff. Um, I've already sold a couple of them. I've almost made, I think I've made over half my money back already on that lot. And I've only listed, I think three boxes, but I I decided I was going to start, I was going to alternate. I would do a box of books and then I would do, 20 or 30 CDs, then I would do another box of books. And I just kind of would rotate through the two like that uh, to work on my listings for this week. And lo and behold, uh, my book sales had been a little soft over the last couple of weeks. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm selling old books, stuff that's been in my inventory for a long, long time. So 
I know that correlation is not necessarily indicative of causation, as they say, and that this is completely anecdotal, but this is the second time in less than a month that I have begun listing items that I already have a big inventory of that I had not listed anything for a while, and I've immediately noticed an appreciable increase in sales and of the older items in my inventory, if that makes any sense. So it's a really, I don't know that there's necessarily really any there there. That's not a scientific study by any stretch of the imagination. But like I said, twice in a month, I've done that particular activity and I've noticed a big jump in sales. So I'd be curious. Um, let me know in comments if you've experienced anything like that. Again, I, we talked about this before, but um, now that it's happened again, I'm really curious. Um Try an experiment, maybe, if you've got some stuff that you've had in your cash pile for a while that you've neglected listing, that you already have some stuff. Maybe take a little time this week and list some of that stuff and see if it starts generating some activity because that's been, it was hugely helpful for me in the second half of the week um, to have the book sales kind of ramp back up. Speaking of that, let's talk about the numbers. It was not, it was, it's the poorest week I've had in a month. But it was still better than the weeks when I started this podcast seven weeks ago. Um, gross sales, $1,024 and 27 cents. So over $1,000. Um, and considering where I was at the uh, close of business on Monday, I, I really didn't think I was going to be anywhere close to that. I, I, this felt like an $800 week to me. And like I said, you pull up the numbers at the end of the week and boom. There it is. It's uh, it was actually pretty decent. Um, cost of goods sold for the week forty dollars and ninety five cents, which left me with a gross profit margin of ninety six percent, which I am thrilled with. Uh, if you watched my video on YouTube on Wednesday, I mentioned that I'm running some promotions. I've got about fourteen hundred items right now on sale at 20, 30, or 40% off, depending on how long they've been in my inventory. And I've sold quite a bit of stuff out of that at those various levels of discount. So I assumed my margin was going to take a pretty stout hit. I was figuring it was going to be somewhere in the 80s, which is still really good. Um, but I'm, I was very surprised to see 96%. So outstanding. It ended up being $983.32 in gross profit. My total operating expenses for the week were five twenty two eighty. I had a couple of things out of the ordinary that occurred. I had to order some supplies. I was getting low on shipping tape and mailing labels, which are obviously two must-haves. So I spent, oh man, maybe seventy bucks on supplies, um, which will last me several months. So I mean, it's a it's a worthwhile uh, thing to do. And I had an annual software subscription come due. That was 120 bucks. So that was on there. So between the two of those, I've got man, almost $200 in operating expenses that are kind of out of the ordinary. So that lowered my net profit to 44.96%. So a little below my 50% margin, um, $460.52. Not great, but considering those what we'll consider extraordinary expenses. I'm pretty pleased to be at about 45%. Um, like I mentioned last week, 50 is my goal. So I was relatively close. And 
because of the way I do my accounting, and that's going to be the topic of the second half of this podcast, I took that entire charge all at once. Now, I do my accounting on what's considered a cash basis. There's roughly, there's two ways you can do accounting. A cash basis where you record your sales and expenses as they occur and as you pay them. The other one is what's known as a cruel method where you stretch those out over the time where that item may be used. So for instance, the yearly software purchase, I could charge that as an expense at one twelfth of that amount every month. And this month would look better, but next month I'd still have whatever that would end up being 10 bucks of that every month as that expense, as that item gets consumed. For simplicity's sake, I chose to do a cash accounting. I did that with my record store back in the day. It was strictly a cash accounting. I've done, when I worked in corporate environments, I did accrual method accounting. For me as a sole proprietor, the cash method makes more sense for me. Uh, It's easier to keep track of when I write a check or pay a bill. I charge myself the expense and get on with life. So that's how I do it. But I'm going to talk a little bit more um, after the break about accounting and some of the things that I see watching YouTube videos and seeing things on message boards that raise my curiosity about how we as resellers in general are accounting for our business. So let's take a quick break and I'll be right back. And we're back. So I want to talk just a little bit about accounting. And, I, you know, I'm going to start this with the standard disclaimer. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a tax attorney. If you have actual honest-to-goodness questions about your accounting, you need to talk to your accountant <laughs> or your tax attorney or someone you know, professionally licensed to do this sort of thing. Um, I do my own. I I have a degree in in business administration. I took some accounting classes. I feel like my accounting is simple enough. And since I am a sole proprietor, I'm filing Schedule C. And it just, I I feel comfortable kind of doing my own at this point. Um, And I'm I'm not doing millions of dollars a year in business. My business is still relatively small. Uh, if I get really, really lucky, I might get to six figures in revenue this year, but it's not looking like it will get quite there. It's probably going to be in the seventies. So it's not a big enough number for me to really feel like I need to go out and get professional help. However, I am super meticulous, uh, probably to the point of overkill, uh, with my accounting. And the reason this kind of came up was I was I was watching some YouTube videos of other resellers and I I noticed they're they're buying stuff and they're saying while they're picking it up or when they get back to their offices I I got this I'm going to give this to my cousin or I'm going to keep this for myself or I'm going to use this with my family and this I'm going to use in my business and uh but in the video all that stuff was paid for in what appeared to be out of the same wallet. <laughs> there was no, uh, there appears to be a commingling of funds between personal money and business money, or there is no distinction between the two. And if you're doing this as a business, 
and again, I'm not a tax accountant, but I feel like from an auditing standpoint, if the IRS ever comes calling, I want to be able to show a very, very clear paper trail of how my money was spent and what it was spent on. And, you know, when I go to a sale, just to use an example, in my accounting software, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes, I actually have I have a separate I actually have a separate checking account for my business and I have a separate cash on hand account for my business that I keep cash strictly for yard sales, garage sales, estate sales. And that money is separate from my personal money. And if I go to a garage sale and this this just happened last weekend, uh, I found a couple of Nerf guns at a sale. They were two bucks a piece. I've got a couple kids in my life that I thought, oh, they would really like those. I bought those out of my own money. So my cash on hand money for the business is in my left pocket and my own money is in my right pocket. And I do not mix those two together. If I want to buy something for myself or for a family member, I pay for that out of my own money. And the stuff I'm buying for my business for reselling, whether it's supplies, if I find you know a stack of you know, padded envelopes or a roll of bubble mailer and I want to buy some office supplies or whether it's stuff I intend to resell. I pay for that out of the business's money. And technically, as a sole proprietor, they're one and the same. My money and the business money are are essentially the same because I'm, I am my business. But from an accounting and tax standpoint, I wanted to keep those things separate. So I have separate accounts for all that stuff. When I'm at a sale... When I get back to the car, the first thing I do, I have a notebook in the car and I log what I bought and how much I spent. And when I get home, the first thing I do is reconcile what I put in that book with what I've actually got in the back of the family truckster to make sure I've got everything in order. And then before I clean anything, take any pictures, list anything, try to get super excited about how much money I'm going to make on this stuff, I sit down and I enter all of that information into my inventory control, and into my accounting software. I can go in for virtually any day of the week, uh, all year long, and I can show you exactly how much I spent, what I spent it on. Um, I record my sales on a daily basis, separate from whatever eBay's reports are. I don't, you know, the eBay reports... To be fair, I don't really, I don't know which one to look at. <laughs> I, I look at my phone and my 90-day number is one thing, and I look at my seller hub and my 90-day number is something different. And they're close, but they're never exactly right. And the taxes and the shipping and the, everything is included in there, and it's not broken out. So I, I go that extra step and I break all that stuff out every day. And I enter all of that information into my accounting software. So one of, my, one of my business mentors way, way back early in my career in retail said, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. And I can, I can pull up my numbers at any given time and see exactly where I'm at. So I know if I'm making money, if I'm losing money, am I spending too much money on supplies? I can look at different product categories and see this one's making good money, this one's not making good money, this one is actually losing money. Um, I have a wealth of information at my fingertips. And I get it. That is, this is probably not a thrilling podcast. (laughs) 
And it certainly would not be a sexy YouTube video. Nobody wants to see um, someone sitting at a desk entering information into an accounting program. So I, I do get that. Uh, but I do get asked because I, I bring up my sales in my recap and I have very specific results. And I can tell you I have 44.96% net profit for the week. And I've had a couple of people ask, how do you how do you know that? And it's because of daily accurate record keeping. Every, literally every day I go in and enter that information, um, sometimes multiple times a day. Sometimes I'll, if I have a bunch of sales in the morning, I'll do a, a sales report in the morning. And if I have a bunch in the afternoon, I'll do another entry in the afternoon. Um, I want all my ducks in a row if the IRS ever comes knocking so I can show exactly what I spent on my business, exactly what I made in my business, and how I reconciled that when I did my taxes. So that's what I do. I'm curious what all of you do. Are you, you know, if you're a part-time seller, maybe it's not that big a deal, but every year at tax time, you see these guys and they're on the, the Facebook, you know, groups and they're saying, um, man, I didn't, I didn't do 20,000 this year. I'm not going to get a 1099 from PayPal. Do I need to file? <laughs> I'm always like, uh, I see where you're going here and it's not a good path to be going down. Um, so I get it. I keep track of all that stuff separately. So the, the 1099 from PayPal or the 1099 that we're all going to get in the future from eBay for our managed payments, um, all of that stuff is supporting documentation to some degree for accounting that I have already done. But I'm curious, what, what do you do? Are you keeping track? Are you, do you keep your money separate? Or are you just taking a bunch of receipts to your accountant at the end of the year, the end of the quarter, or however you do it, and just unloading them in a shoebox to your accountant and having them sorted out? Um, do you keep track of sales and inventory or, or how are you handling cost of goods sold and all that sort of stuff. Let me know if you're watching this on YouTube, man, leave me some comments about how you're doing your accounting, how diligent you are about it and how important or unimportant you think ultimately it is. And obviously to some extent, it's, it's going to scale depending on the size of your business. If you're a, you know, if you're doing a couple thousand dollars a year, you know, it's like having a garage sale. You probably don't really need to account for it. But if you're, you know, someone like me that's doing, you know, three, 400 plus transactions a month and five, six, hopefully more thousand dollars a month in business. Um, I feel like at least for my case, I want pretty meticulous documentation for everything I've done. So again, it may seem like overkill, um, to do it on a daily basis. It may seem ridiculous to keep track when I'm out at the sales of what I'm buying and how much I spend on all that stuff, but I can go back and I can verify for anyone who would ask which items I bought in which product categories and how much I spent on them on any given day throughout the course of the year. So for me, it's, it's, it's much peace of mind as anything else, but it allows me to really dive in and look when I do this weekly recap um, it's as much for me as it is as something to share on the podcast because I can see, you know, I had a decent week. I didn't have a good week and I can go back in and look at which product categories were selling well and which ones weren't and maybe change where I'm sourcing or change what I'm listing. So I, I, it just shows me so much. I find it really, really valuable. 
So again, I really want to hear from you. If you're on YouTube, let me know in the comments. If you're listening to the podcast, uh, you can go to my anchor page and leave me a voice message. You can go to galaxycdsrocks.com and chime in on the community message board. You'd actually be the first person other than me to do so. So there's a, if you want to be first, uh, there's something for you. Or you can shoot me an email at galaxycds at gmail.com. And assuming the Gmail spam filter doesn't throw you away, um, <laughs> I will take a look at that and uh, respond or maybe talk about it in a future podcast or video. But that's just kind of my little rant, if you will, on accounting and why I think it's so important. I really, um, if you're not keeping some kind of records, um, would strongly urge you to consider some method to start that. I am going to leave a couple of links in the show notes and the description below to some programs that I use. Money, no object. When I had my record store, I used QuickBooks and I was really, really happy with QuickBooks. It did everything I need except to be cheap or free. <laughs> uh, it's, it is not an, a, a cheap program to use. And when I was starting this business about a year ago, I didn't want to spend money on that sort of stuff. I wanted to focus my limited amount of funds on buying merchandise and the supplies I needed to effectively sell and ship that merchandise. So I started looking for some free accounting alternatives. The one I ended up um, landing on is called wave apps and man, it is super easy to use. It is the reporting is really good. The, the setup of your accounts is very intuitive. They have online help. It's a really, really great program for me. I'm not, the link will not be an affiliate link. I'm not, they're not sponsoring this. They don't know or care probably that I'm talking about it, but I found it to be almost perfect. And I say almost with a big asterisk because the one thing it does not do, it does not have the ability to track inventory. You can create items. So books, CDs, t-shirts, hats, and so on. So you can kind of, when you create an invoice or do a purchase, you can specify which items you're buying, but it does not in and of itself track the amount of inventory that you have or by item or product category their worth doesn't track the values which is kind of a problem in a re retail type reselling environment so i found another program which is called canvas which is a pretty much does nothing but inventory and it generates your average cost of goods sold it keeps track of what you're putting in and what you're taking out. So I do, I, I'm having to do maybe a little double work because I'm entering inventory information into one program and using that to show me what my cost of goods sold is to put into the actual wave app for the accounting portion, where if I was just using QuickBooks, it would be one entry and I'd be done, but I'd be paying for that every month. And this stuff is all free and I got nothing but time. So I'm using these. I'm, I've been very happy with the combination. It gives me all the information I need. When I went to do my taxes last year, they were super easy. I had all the information I needed in the reports that I was able to print right from those apps. So for me, they work. If you're looking for just a couple examples of options that are out there, I'll leave links to those uh, in the show notes and the description on YouTube. Feel free to take a look and you know, play around with those, 
again, they're not affiliate links. They're not sponsored. It's just, this is what I use. And it's, it's an option for you to take a look at if you're just starting to think about wanting to keep track of your inventory. So hopefully you found some of this useful or interesting. I was on the fence about even doing this episode because I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm ranting. Like I'm just nitpicking what I see from other resellers, but I thought this was a really important issue. And I think it's one that there's a lot of confusion about there. There's a, um, it's not, it's certainly not the fun part of reselling, looking at the numbers and seeing how much money you made, you know, being able to pull up the category of, you know, CDs and see how much profit you're making on a purchase that you made like a bulk buy. That's, that's, that's exciting, but the grind of doing the entry is not, it's not exciting and it's not necessarily really even all that fun to talk about, <laughs> to be fair. Uh, and I think a lot of resellers, because it's not fun and because it's hard and it requires a, kind of an attention to detail and sometimes we don't see how it really applies to our business until tax time, unfortunately, comes due. Um we just we I, I think a lot of us don't don't do it as diligently as we could, and I think it's really important, and I think it's really valuable to do so. So hopefully it wasn't too ranty and it was helpful. Um, but that's my take on accounting, and I there really wasn't any news in the the wider world of reselling that I saw this week. Um, Motley Fool ran an article about. Um, we kind of talked about it last week. eBay no longer has an Amazon problem. Now they have a Shopify problem, but we've already talked about that. So there wasn't really anything too newsworthy. So I'm not really going to do a news recap this week. Uh, it sounds like sometime around August 5th, a bunch of folks got rolled into managed payments. I see a lot of people talking on the message boards and various places about managed payments and the access or lack of access to their funds. And it, again, I talked about this in a PayPal video a long time ago, but we've been spoiled a little bit by PayPal and the, the virtual immediate access to our funds. Um, I mean, if somebody pays you for something, you can transfer that money to your bank account immediately. And tomorrow or the next day, it's there. Typical credit card processing, if you're a small retailer, um, you swipe a card that money doesn't go into your account until you batch the, that day's transactions. So if you forget to batch that night, you're adding a day. <laughs> and I've done that. Uh, so the time it takes for you to get your money. So you swipe, you swipe, swipe. You do 10 credit card transactions in a day. At the end of the day, you batch. And it can take two to three days for that money to get from the credit card processing company into your bank account. And eBay is essentially inserting itself as the credit card processor. They're using some third-party company, I'm sure, to do it. Uh, but I see a lot of sellers that are talking about that delay, that there are items that they're being told that they've been paid, but the funds are pending. And that is a matter of that credit card transaction, that money actually becoming available, in this case, to eBay, so that they can pay you. And... To me, it, it's just we've been spoiled a little bit by the immediacy of PayPal. This delay is kind of in line with what I experienced with normal credit card processing. I'm not live yet on managed payments, so this is just me conjecturing based on what I've seen other people say. 
Um, I don't personally expect that to be that big a deal. I haven't even decided whether I'm going to cash out my eBay funds daily or weekly. It's probably easier from an accounting standpoint to do it daily, but I'm not sure I want to have eBay holding my money for a week. So I'm, I'm still on the fence about how I'm going to handle that, but I'm not surprised that some funds are not available for immediate withdrawal. Um, we'll see how I feel about that when I go live and uh, how big a problem it is, how many transactions fall into that category. If you're on managed payments already, um, again, chime in, let me know in comments or reach out to me and let me know how that's going for you and what what those kind of delays look like. Uh, but that's kind of what I'm seeing. And from the outside looking in, I'm not yet all that concerned about it, but we'll see how that goes. And that's the wrong button. That's the one I wanted. With that, I'm going to call it a day. It's been a very long week, but a very good one. I hope yours was as well. Hope everyone is staying healthy and we'll see you next time.